Pros. This is a conversation among friends working in international affairs. We share stories about our life in the real world, beyond the headlines, and look for lessons learned that can inspire us. If you're enjoying this podcast, there are a few ways you can help. Please click the follow button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also consider becoming a supporter by visiting at thecoalface.buzzsprout.com. Thank you. Today, I speak with Summer Suba for our second episode. Summer was one of the very first guests on this podcast in September 2021. At the time, we spoke about his growing up in Lebanon, his volunteering work, his life in the corporate world, and leaving the safety net to become an entrepreneur, he started Dubs, a company that helps travelers manage the hassle of having to carry around luggage to and from the airport. We catch up in Dubai, my first time back since I left in summer 2018. Summer, I'm so happy to see you today in person here in Dubai. It's over just over a year since we recorded our one of the very first episodes of At the Call Face. So uh, I was really excited that we could meet up and so happy to have you uh, here in person. And great to see you. It's been it's been long long time and this is our catch up face to face. I'm excited as well. So thank you to have me over again. <laughs> indeed, indeed great. And um so I was re reflecting on our conversation uh, over a year ago. We spoke in uh, September 2021 uh, in the midst of COVID. Uh, I had just got out of um, quarantine in Singapore. Um, and at the time, I remember being r really amazed by the resilience that you showed during that um, horrible time. Um, I remember the um, entrepreneurial drive that um, didn't allow you to stay still, um, even when the foundation of your business, um, air travel, <laughs> just yes. vanished overnight. And I remember you were sharing with us how you'd, how you'd written um, a white paper on the future of travel, which had created um, quite a big bit of, of buzz. So I'm saying these things to bring you back a bit. Yes. And I'd love to, um, yeah, to ask you to share a bit, like what happened since we recorded, and also particularly maybe how did you experience uh, the resumption of travel um, when when that happened some months ago, um, and maybe what what struck you as different um, when, when that happened? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's been September 2021, so a year and uh, and a half almost. And back then, again, middle of COVID, uh, we were still in the wave. So up and down, travel resumes and then stops, resumes right. and stops. Um, but after we talked, December was supposed to be our peak time because typically uh, summertime and, and, and um, just before New Year is our peak travel season. So we were preparing for this peak travel December 2021, we had a lot of business coming in. Everyone was going for the holidays and then a new wave of COVID came. And, and that was, yes, it was unfortunate, but for a period of time, that was the name of the game. We have to be ready for, and flexible 
uh, high demand, but then things might stop. It luckily never stopped, but it slowed down. So, so I think the mentality since then, since COVID started, was to always be resilient, to always be flexible, and to um, to keep fighting. So when uh, when there's a lot of demand, make sure we we capitalize on it. We serve as many people as we can. We continue to to innovate in what we offer, and uh, when the demand is not there, okay, fine. Let's let's take a step back. Let's let's see. Let's look internally what we can improve until the the wave comes. And can you shed a bit of light what that really means uh, adapting? Because I imagine there must be very practical aspects of ramping up and down. You need resources, people, vehicles, and how could you actually turn the dial up and down like that? Yeah, so one of our company values since we started, and, and it's good in a bit we can speak about the values a bit more. So I realized that what the values we started the company uh, many years ago are actually still um, apply, applicable till today are standing the test of time. And one of our values was do more for less. So we really, I don't think we ever had like more resources than what we need. We always had less. So scarcity in resources and at the same time doing more with what we have. So that's important because you can probably scale up and uh, and uh, and this year we had to almost double our resources um, because of few big projects we, we, we did. But still in 2021, we didn't know what to expect. The travel market was going up and down. So we had to stay lean. At the same time, know where to get the resources. So in my business, it's about uh, uh, people, so manpower and vehicles. So we know how to get them when needed and we know the timelines and everything. So pre being prepared. And the other part is technology. And our technology was done in a robust way that it can scale up and down as well. So we we kept monitoring that and actually again until today we we religiously look into this almost on a daily basis and then try to forecast and so this is in terms of efficient utilization of resources yes, and, yeah. and 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 keep lean and agile so i know my uh, again seasonality is is part of the business we we know when the seasons are so we have to be ready when it's it's peak season. We have to to see what to do when it's not peak season. Uh, the question of seasonality is also an, uh, something that we we try to when it's not peak travel season. What else can we do? And this is when we diversify our products. And one thing we really really kept an eye on is customer service. So now on Google reviews, our service is four point nine over five consistently high service wow, yeah. for and that's that's something i'm very very proud of um so so you don't yeah, add any extra reviews now and then uh, we did it probably when we started what five years ago my wife was the first person who wrote <laughs> a review about us. did she give you a five <laughs> uh, yes yes on TripAdvisor at the time uh, but she used the service so she was okay. a genuine uh, customer <laughs> Uh, but since then, no, we, we really uh, ask our customers to, to rate us and they, they're happy with yeah. the service. And we are really happy with, with what we read and how they write about us. 
and I'm, I'm amazed because it's it's true for, for those of us, those of the listeners who have not been to hotels in in in, in Dubai, people don't travel very light uh, <laughs> in, the, in the region, um, and so I was I was wondering whether whether that idea is is transferable to to uh, cultures where people like the modest Swiss with one luggage like uh, behind me here. The thing is, as long as... Uh, so tourists are a big part of this uh, service um, customers because the, if their flight is late at night and they are checking out from the hotel at 1 p.m., doesn't matter how many bags they have, they still need to go around. And if they're going to a water park in you know, Dubai or actually anywhere in the world... They don't want their bag with them. So so the, the pain point applies everywhere. That's number one. Number two, actually, in Switzerland, there's a lot of people from this part of the world. True. <laughs> so, so that's... Uh, and that's something we're providing, like the end-to-end service, and with our expansion plans, you can you can use us in 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 Dubai and in Barcelona and uh, and and anywhere else we go to. So, so we Barcelona and our work there was a major eye opener on these different customer behaviors. So yes, they do not fly with as many bags as they do here. But the pain point of wanting to experience, enjoy the city before they travel or go to a meeting before they travel with their bags is something that is there yeah. and our services can help them. Yeah. And um, so you've been running Dupes now um, since, uh, was it five, six, seven years? Six, six years? This is our sixth year. Yeah. And uh, so now I remember one of our earlier conversations that you, you mentioned, like how close you came to running out of money um yeah. before the uh the deal with denata and even that deal with denata was was tricky um and now uh, i mean you you you're a busy man but you look a lot more i, I hope i can say that on this podcast a lot more relaxed yeah, <laughs> than, can, than, uh, than, uh, than than uh, earlier and I, I i love to and i'm sure the challenges have evolved actually yeah. um now that you're uh, i'll dare call you a more mature company also a bit we, we are man. we passed the five-year uh, mile true true and so uh, I would, i'd love to hear some of your reflections about being um, an entrepreneur of of an entity that is that that is more mature established yeah yeah has a, a product that is much more refined operations that you're optimizing um there, there's some entrepreneurs that that become serial entrepreneurs and jump around and created many new startups um because their passion is in the the early stage, they launch something, then they get bored and they, they move on. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit how your own journey has has, has been. Is, is Dupes becoming a new shell for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I um, yeah, I stayed in Shell, what, 10 years? Yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was uh, good to get the experience from the corporate world, but I had this whole startup itch and start doing my own thing in my mind for a while. So... Exactly what you said when um, at a point I left Shell and joined my co-founders in, in Dubes full time. Um, and it wasn't an easy time because I was just get married a few months earlier at the time that was 2017. Um, and the company, we wanted to make it work. And at the time, like it's me and two other founders. So we, we know like it's now or never. Let's put all our eggs in one basket. 
let's really give it our everything and if it fails we know it didn't fail because of lack of trying so that was the mentality at the time so we kept on pushing we kept on um, again negotiating the big deal with the nata at the same time we were operating already so we were serving customers and negotiating this big deal and it takes a lot of time to negotiate such a deal with with the corporate the size of Danata, who's part of the Emirates group, um, and me and my co-founders who are actually, everyone has eight to 10 years of experience behind them. So it's, we're also not, not new to the market. So it was a complicated deal to get through uh, the finish line. And definitely before, like two, three months before the deal was concluded, yeah, we were running out of money. But that's actually happens more often than not in, in the whole startup world. So, so you really want to give everything you have until you make it. And, and we could see the finish line, but it was like every week it gets postponed two weeks. And that was very frustrating. So um, and at the time I, I left Shell before joining Dubes, there was few weeks where I didn't have a residency in here. And without a residency, I cannot do insurance, right. and, which is okay. But that's when my wife had a serious <laughs> need to go to the hospital. And we were like in the hospital without any insurance. And they told us the bill at the time. I'm like, okay, that's crazy. Oh, so, so these are the things you don't plan to. You plan a lot about okay this is how much money i have it will last me this much i have this contingency but then you get a curveball around health and obviously yeah. covid made health in in the front of our thinking but at the time it wasn't so so that was until the deal was done for a few years it was us um, trying to build the company let the service be known um, and and the first let's say Two years where were a lot of push, 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 and then COVID hit. So that what we discussed in the last time we talked, that that was a major uh, change in in how we do things. So as you said, the travel, you're a travel company, travel stopped. So what else can you do? And so we we went back to our corporate uh, skill set, which is write a wall, uh, white paper. Uh, do some consultancy, go around, speak in conferences, try to um, uh, promote what we do uh, and launch a new product. So the airport of the future, the way we saw it is that there should be so many new products in, in, uh, introduced. One of them is home check-in, which we do, but biometrics is another one. Home PCR is another one. And all of them happened. And it's not all by us. It's it's a lot that the, the, the ecosystem have to develop them so biometrics in, in many airports in the world they now have it home pcr it was what we launched with our medical medical partners in the uee and it was also in many countries in the world so a lot of what we've seen and the trends we spotted uh, really fueled the innovation we put in the company and it really helped so i think june 2020 is the first month where really there was good travel after the lockdown and that since that month our our volume of services and revenue has been higher than anything we've done in 2019 and it's been really growing steadily since then so 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 and the hard work really is important and what i said also something i i focus all the time on have the foundation right so don't 
do shortcuts, especially when it comes to documentations and process design and uh, and and from HR to, to operations to anything, because when the opportunity is there, when travel comes back, which is now you, you've seen how, how busy yeah. it is in Dubai, you need to be ready and you need to be ready to serve them. Because if you don't, if you're not ready, then you will miss the wave. So, um, so yeah, the journey has been uh, has been good, I would say, very challenging. And what we're doing now is really, really much bigger than before. So, so this is a great year for us, 2022. And, um, and 2023 is hopefully, and what we're working towards will be a bigger year. Mm. Are you able to share a little bit some of the things that you've got uh, in, in mind for, for, uh, for what's coming up uh, now that uh, travel's picking up? And uh... Yeah, so, so what we started in last year, and that's a project we're, we're also very proud of. So we started to provide our services for Emirates First Class passengers. And this is a very, very important product for Emirates. So trusting us to provide the service uh, is a great uh, testament to what we've done and how we've, uh, we're doing the business. So well, that project, yeah, thank you. That project resulted in us actually changing so many things in how we do uh, work in in growing our uh, the, the size of the company the staffing um, from from operations to call center to the technology that goes behind it so that launched June last year and uh, and yeah that's that's an important part so uh, to serve Emirates first class passengers that's uh, started last year and will continue and we're, we're really focusing on growing it replicating it with the with other partners as well uh, we we also got a big project in saudi uh, technology so our technology turned out to be and what we built bits and pieces in all these years we managed to package the technology in a way which we can sell as a white label type product. yeah white label uh, software as a service so we went and this is again all since we started we had that mindset but then without knowing it turned out we're, we're building a software or technology that people wants and not many people want to get into because it's very particular but this project in Saudi it's state-of-the-art airport and what we uh, have is exactly what they need so we partnered with mm. uh, with big companies technology companies actually so to, to, to integrate with the whole other airport systems uh, so that's that's a major thing for this year uh, that and my two uh, partners this is where they will spend a lot of their time in Saudi uh, Barcelona this is the year to to take it to to really launch uh, and uh, and yeah, we're we're excited about that. And uh, so growing the business here is important, and focusing on the expansion. And we found like there are use cases in uh, for what we have in Brazil and Chile, for example. Right. Wow. And they approached us because what we built the group check-in. So we go to the hotels and do check-in for entire groups. And we did it last month actually for big football teams. Oh wow! Yeah, so yeah. Liverpool, uh, Lyon, so so many co teams here. We went, we went and served them from their hotels, AC Milan, and uh, and it's, it's it's been great. So this one, actually, we found out there's a very niche 
uh, use case in Brazil and Chile that they require us to to do the service and and now we're talking about about launching it there so so it's it's nice some of them is we we approach people some of people know about us so they approach us there's a film director who used the service few months back and then she was shooting a film in dubai with her crew like 50 something people so she called us to to come and and do the full uh, check-in from the location they were doing the shooting so so this is nice cool. this is yeah. where people start this is where it becomes cool yeah <laughs> and um so we we, we got to know each other um, when we were both working uh, in, in, in Basra Gas, uh, which is a really exciting project, um, the, la la the world's largest flare reduction project. It was a, a project that was immensely challenging on, on so many levels, uh, but also on a personal level, um, how, how to, how to um, shape this joint venture uh, between Shell and, and, um, and the Iraqi state-owned company to, to make something that, that was... Um, commercially viable, professional, um, well-functioning entity with um, coaching a lot of our Iraqi colleagues um, to help them become um, com confident professionals, um, which, which, which worked out. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's a part of my career that I look back with, uh, I think, the most fondness because it was such an intense time. Uh, and it was a time of uh, huge, significant uh, personal growth. And I remember at the time, you, so you were working in a commercial space, which was also everything had to be created pretty much. Yeah. And I remember uh, watching you uh, really thrive and blossom as a, as a, as a, as a professional. Um, and it's at the same time, roughly, so you a year and a bit after me that we embarked on this uh, uh, executive degree with the Fletcher School doing uh, international relations. And then you carried on that pace of, of stretching yourself. So from Basra Gas to the Fletcher degree, um, and, and then soon after you, you, this idea of dupes was brewing yeah. and then you, you, you went into that. And so I'd, I'd love to, to maybe ask you to reflect a bit on that um, constant uh, hunger for, for personal growth in a way. And where are you now actually? Um, <laughs> like, um, What's growing in a way? What's stretching you? What are you? Is the the, the some of the, the themes that we studied in in the in Fletcher to do with international relations and global affairs, is is that still as present in your mind? So I'd, I'd love to to hear the the, the ever evolving summer. Uh, yeah, how, how did you speak about that? Ever evolving. That's that's a nice <laughs> one. The thing is, what we studied in Fletcher actually applies the moment you work with people from multiple locations and, and multiple nationalities. So the whole international relations and global affairs really apply in in the day to day work we do, and that was very good. Uh, actually, just yesterday I was reflecting on on the program and how did it. Helped me, and and it did. It did in terms of realizing uh, that uh, people are different, interests are different, and in any meeting, any conversation, you have to take these interests into account to to reach the, the what you want to do. So the whole negotiations part of it and um, is is important. So so going back to Iraq, definitely it, uh, for me as well. It's one of the most challenging, personally, professionally, as well as most rewarding um, uh, place that that I've been. 
Um, and after Iraq, at one point, like, okay, I need to know the next step. And it could have been continue my career path in Shell. And then I worked uh, for a year in trading, which was something I really wanted for a long time. But then this is this was a time for me to do things. So I, I always like to evolve, definitely. But I realized there's a time where things cannot be done anymore. Uh, age plays a factor for sure uh, but family so I, when, when I was in Iraq I was single I didn't have kids um, actually when uh, the year I get engaged is the year I left Shell no the year I started dupes and the year I get married is the year I left Shell and I knew if I don't do it that particular month not not year that particular wow. month I will not do it because I realized that there are a lot of personal responsibilities that will come to me and I'd better do this move of starting my own company before these responsibilities come yeah so I was just trying to to fit in my personal um, um, ambition at the time uh, if I postponed it a few months I will probably not have done it it's, uh, that's that's how I think uh, at the time and I was very transparent with my wife and she she encouraged me to do it and as I said just now that once we did it she 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 needed to go to the hospital and without insurance so the challenges started really that that is from from the first day um, so then with the with dubs you just mentioned a bit ago that uh, it's a maturing company and and the way we used to manage it uh, when it started, it's very different to now. So at a point, it's me and my two co-founders. We do everything. Now there's close to 70 people in the company. Wow. It's, a, it's a big organization. Uh, then, I mean, yeah, big, not shell size, but, uh, but uh, this is a time where processes matter, procedures matter, reporting lines matter, which is something we always <laughs> like know everything needs to be flat, flat <laughs> and we need to talk to each other. So so now the challenge of communication becomes important. So how can I make sure people talk the language I want to speak to the customers? Um, so so I think from the, the challenge now, personally, is to manage this bigger organization because the challenges that come with it are different. Mm. And there's a possibility that even it grows much bigger than that. So are we ready for the next stage? Um, and and I think communication is important. So what we did, there's like me and my partners were, were relatively nice. But what I figured is that we're really not nice to be nice. We, we like to get along with the people we work with. And we don't like this a uh, lot of the stress that many actually leaders purposely like to have in their organizations, which is fine, but we don't. Mm -hmm. So we found out that when we hire people who do not get along with their colleagues or with us, they don't last long with us. So we, we are now building this company that with time, everyone should speak the same language. So, so that helped us with the growth, it helped us with maintaining again this Google reviews, which which I'm like because I see other service companies and they do not have that. So so we care about the customers, we care about the quality of the service, and everyone should should care. And when someone doesn't, then this is where we're not nice anymore. So so we are building like-minded uh, 
It's interesting because it, it makes me think of the comment you made earlier about how the values of your company have uh, stayed reasonably stable and that it seems that there are things that you do to to keep these values alive. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see what Elon Musk is doing now. And you, he, he made many, many CEOs and leaders realize actually they can be a bit meaner to, the, to their staff. And it makes you realize, yeah, sometimes there's so many crazy things that I need to deal with, but do we deal with while respecting our values or deal with how other people do it? And it's, it's something like there was a, a fight among few colleagues, uh, team members, not not argument, and it escalated and I get involved. And in the end of the day, I'm like, I should have directed everyone, resolve this in the next two hours, otherwise I'll take measures. And But then I spent four hours actually resolving the thing. And I'm like, should I have done this or that? And I found that actually spending time talking to them is better for the long run yeah. rather than being, you know, instruct them to resolve it which many people do but it's short i think you highlight a very uh, important trade-off between um, the, the cost of being nice in maybe yeah. slight loss i don't know of uh, efficiency or, or sense of uh, resolve i i don't know but clearly you you choose to err on the side of uh, um, kindness because you think it has a longer term uh, benefit in 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 preserving um, the attention to detail with the customers and, and yeah. maybe just the energy of the company as well. Uh, exactly, exactly. Because, for example, the way I think, if that was you know a stressful situation, then it will affect the customer end of the yeah. day. So no, let me maintain that. That's the the end uh, insight. And again, going back to to what we've been doing in Shell, which is a culture of speaking to people and aligning and negotiating or what we studied in, in Fletcher. So so I think it didn't come from, from nowhere. There's there's I've been doing this for years. And those who do not keep up with this style of management, so I have now managers in the team and supervisors. So when I don't see them spending time to resolve issues and thinking that I'm the manager now, everyone should follow what I say, then they don't last. Mm, as well yeah. so so it's important again to understand and we i think now we do we understand our unique values and we understand that this is actually a strength and it's making us stay yeah and can i ask you because you, now you have two, two kids so you you're you're, you're co-running co a, a growing large company while having a growing large family yeah you, <laughs> what 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 rituals do you have what habits do you have to 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 stay uh, nice and kind, as you said, like in, in all aspects of your of your life? It's, um, I think the biggest challenge is the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so my two partners, they had two kids before I did. So, so our kids are all around like a few months apart, but they had their second child before me. And every time I complain about my daughter, they're like, yeah, that's nothing compared to two kids. <laughs> so that's completely different, <laughs> different uh, dynamics. And I actually now believe them fully. I think, again, maturity of the company is nice because there are people who can do things and there's a lot of automated um, processes that happen. But family becomes a very important um, aspect of, of what I do. So Luckily, my co my co-founders and me, our families are very close. So we actually disguise a lot of 
family meeting to discuss work. <laughs> and it's very obvious. Our kids play together. So so we tried. I'm, I'm a believer in integrating personal and professional when it is your own company. So no, no break, really, because you cannot ignore your company responsibilities and you cannot ignore your family responsibilities. So. So to do that, you need to be open to discuss business at any point of time and open to prioritize family at any point of time. So so if it's a big meeting at 10 in the morning, but some family emergency comes, so you need to make a decision. And if you decide to be with the family, then it's okay to decide to do a big meeting at 10 p.m. So so I believe in, in this. And I've actually been doing it since, since I started work, like... The work-life balance, it's there, but when there's work, there should be work. You should work. <laughs> That's it. Some work needs to be done. And I think, again, with 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 my wife, it's nice because she, she shares that, I think. <laughs> and now uh, my daughter is the one who forces me to take breaks. So she goes and closes my laptop to, to play with her or when I'm on my phone, Talking to her, she's like, no phone for the next five minutes, no phone. And she she, she tells you. <laughs> she's three and a half. Oh, wow. And she does that. So, uh, and I am accepting these things. So I accept that when I'm with the family, then that's priority. But if work comes, then if it's important, I need to attend to and the other way around. Uh, so the challenge is there. And now my second child, he was born two months ago. So I'm still learning how to do the balance. Yeah, and I, I will learn from you because mine is my second soon. one is coming soon as well. <laughs> it is a different, different ball game. And I'd like to go back a bit to what we were talking earlier. We were talking about our, our your earlier life in in the the world of energy and how you've transi transitioned into um, the the world of of, of travel. Um, the world that in energy that we were part of was was long lead projects, big money, large scale. Uh, it was it, it it also affected different dynamics, different stakeholders. The business that you're in is is very very close to 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 customers, very fast paced. It's almost got a retail angle to it to it. Um, very curious how you see the the two um, the two converging or or, or some of the. Um, uh, aspects that that uh, you you think kind of uh, relate to one another. Um, before we press the record button, you talked a bit about sustainability, and yeah. I'd love to hear a bit how how these two worlds may be kind of merging again for 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 you. Um, yeah, so there was a um, an assignment I did for a year in Shell before I moved to to my company, which became less. Uh, short term so short term trading it became like you do deals in in few minutes or hours or days but it's never weeks and months so it's short term trading of of, uh, of lng so that was i think a nice bridge because you're right before that trading job everything we do is long lead 17 years 18 years of uh, project timeline three four years of negotiations the big money involved so so that trading year is something but at the time when i was working before my trading role i always wanted to measure what i do on a shorter term um, scale because if, if if the project takes seven years of negotiations and I'm I'm on day one, how do I measure success? Yes, you have your timeline and everything, but how do you measure success in uh, by numbers? How do you assess the costs, the revenues? How do you ask? It's like so many things I I used to be interested in. So my trading role, my short term trading role, was 
it's you do the deal today you see the consequence tomorrow the the shipment is done in a few days so it, it's all very fast paced and still it was much bigger money than than, um, than what i'm doing now so when i moved to dubs it was a lot of things need to happen now Meet, one meeting you can conclude a deal but what what helped and this is um, the skill set from before was keep the long relationship in mind the long-term effects of what you're doing today um, and since we started the company many other companies started and died and we're still there so i think it's it's not for nothing it's because of that long-term mentality that we have but then the short-term focus that that we applied in the work so that's that's one and the other thing is um, my skill set is like project management so so i try to deal with every thing i do as as a mini project or a big project depending on on what's involved so so what i did with with dubs is that okay this is a project we have to do this today you have to do this tomorrow this is where we grow this is where we scale down um so these are transferable skills but what i do now with with it's it's nice because you don't need to wait years to know the effect of what you're doing actually in the next few minutes you will, you will know <laughs> if if you did a, a good thing you will see the results if you did a bad thing you will see the results um, so so i think this is the balance between the short term view the long term benefits and 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 what you need to do today um, but the point about energy actually from last year of 2022 uh, started to become more important to me so there was the cop conference cop 27 in egypt few months back building to it there were a few some buzz in 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 uh, dubai and in, in emirates group uh, around sustainability they they put some uh, big funds around sustainability so that has always been of interest of mine but then because of my focus on, on starting my company it, it's went uh, quiet so that, then it, it um, with with cop 27 in egypt it was revived and cop 28 will be in in the uee in in few months time that's where i got interested again in the whole topic of sustainability actually when we started the company we wanted to have electric vans oh, to yeah. transport right bags but then there was no electric vans and there's still none hmm. in in uh, europe they use them but in here they d there's no electric panel vans where you don't have seats in the back you have you you transport uh, things and uh, so so we had that mindset since we started we turned out and again i think this is like the subconscious things you do we build the company wanting zero waste in terms of like papers almost yeah everything we do is, is digital many customers when we started ask for paper invoice and we're like no we don't want to and when you have three customers and two of them want paper invoice yeah the the, <laughs> the tendency is to give them what they want but without realization we stuck to what we want and then when we have thousands and hundreds of thousands of customers then that if we took the paper trail decision or paper invoices a few years back then it would have affected us now so when i was doing the sustainability reporting of of, of dupes to the emirates group because we are part of it so they report everything and then they started to ask me okay what's the waste and we don't have waste 
and then like no what's the ways and they ask me questions about how many people in the office what do you do this what do we do that and then i'm like okay my answers made them realize that actually it's not a lot mm -hmm. and then so this is part of it the other part is co2 emissions i i have vehicles on the street i have fleet so they come with their own co2 emissions so now we're focusing on how do we decrease that so um, so that's that's an interesting really interesting part to look into and because of the cop 27 egypt cop 28 uae so there's bigger focus in the region about sustainability um, and we're looking into now electric vans i think it will be a reality this year yeah yeah that's interesting so maybe it's a good point in the conversation to 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 reflect a bit on um dubai as a location to be an entrepreneur i find it interesting that there was a, a a bit of skepticism, let's put it that way, that the COP would be hosted uh, here uh, in, a, in a region that is still heavily reliant on, on uh, fossil fuel for, um, well, in the case of Saudi, for, for, for its uh, uh, government rent. Um, but it's interesting to, to see that actually it's triggering interesting conversations on sustainability already. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear a bit your, your, your reflections on, on, on Dubai as a, as, a, as a place to be an, an entrepreneur, actually. Yeah. So b before I say that, one thing you said about um, the region being heavy in oil and gas. So when I started GMAP in my first week, I was coming from Shell corporate and very proud and happy. And then there, I got some very, very angry looks from people, from classmates, because they were against everything we stand for, their NGO, environment, sustainability. And, and that was new to me. Because again, oh, it was uh, that's the importance of the program. Like you meet people from other sectors, and the argument that I made back then, and I believe it still applies now, when oil and gas companies and countries put money into sustainability, it's really a lot of money. <laughs> it's really much bigger than any fund, not any fund that anyone can put, any fund that has been put into sustainability. And we're speaking billions of dollars. So, uh, so Shell, I think, few billion dollars on sustainability. One, no one was really looking into it much. Um, so that's that's important. Why these companies are actually fueling the next stage for their maybe their own benefit. Yes, of course, but actually for the benefit of the world. So, so when it is hosted in this part of the world, as you said, it, it triggers a lot of good conversation about sustainability. And second, it comes with a lot of investments. And, and the UAE is having huge projects, huge investments in this and, and many other countries as well. So Dubai as a place for entrepreneurship, I think it's a good place because it triggers a lot of the debates that are happening around the world because here they like to be the first, the best, so, which is good because uh, when it comes to uh, to metaverse, they, they started here a huge thing around metaverse. One of the biggest, in my opinion, triggers for entrepreneurship are trends. So if you see a trend and you are one person who loves to come up with, with solutions and so trends trigger innovation. So if, um, if you're in a place that's always and in the front of, of a trends, then you can be uh, innovative and, and start things. So US, for example, and Silicon Valley, they, they create so many trends 
And here, in the old days, you have to wait a few years for things to, to catch up in the region. Now, no, they're, they're very, very involved in so many things. So I believe from that point of view, entrepreneurship here is good. Uh, for me, for, for our own company, I mean, we, we started here and we, we've been living here since then. So, so there's a lot of uh, support. At the same time, you have to do what you need to do. So the leadership of the country believe in, in hard work, believe in competition. So they're really you know, pushing all the companies to compete and, and, and be innovative. So, so I believe there's, there's from top down a, a big push to keep fighting. And it's, um, I, I've been here for a while, so I can say that in comparison to where I'm from in Lebanon, where they decided to do a different <laughs> push unfortunately that that resulted in in destroying so many good things that we're having and this is why beirut for a long time was a great place for innovation there's so many great startups in there there's so many programs that that encourage them but when you don't have electricity and internet yeah, what yeah. can you do so so you i think f- there's basics that you need to provide to to fuel innovation and entrepreneurship uh, like have electricity, have good infrastructure, have good roads, and they have that. But then there's a lot more that you can be in the forefront of, of trends and, and technologies that are spoken about around the world, bring them here. And this has recently became more important. So the metaverse is an example. Many people, me included, don't know a lot about what's happening in that space. They're already having a big committee uh, and the metaverse about the metaverse led by important figures but it, it raises interesting questions as well because it, it, it means that there's a an openness uh, here to experiment with regulation to to yeah. be to to be uh, willing to open the door to uh, completely new industries like we t- you talked about metaverse but obviously also to the the, the crypto industry but that means it, it makes um, this place um, susceptible to to bubbles as well, or to sp- absolutely yeah. industries that that uh, pop like like we saw with. Um, so I'm based in Singapore, and th- there's a big debate there as well. Obviously, from the the country had quite an open door to to that, and then of course there were some quite large scale collapses there. So it 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 it, um, it gave a lot of food for thought for for regulators and and uh, and the general public as well. Yeah, I think it's uh, the concept of high risk high return applies. And at the same time, there's a lot of ambition here. And again, I personally like that. And I've been here since many years. 2007 is the first time I came here on and off. There was a point where you feel a lot of what you see is is not real. And, And I don't see it anymore. I see there's a lot of substance behind so many decisions they make. Um, And they make bets. And with every bet you do, for example, on the metaverse, uh, and Meta itself <laughs> is is now under fire because of the of that focus on 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 the metaverse. But what, here, the way they've done it is like, okay, we will create some regulations, we will create an ecosystem, and let's see what we can do with it. So I I, I feel that's important because innovation comes from people who want to broaden the the scope and and stretch the. Um, the frame and restrictions and at a point the it, like when we started the company regulations were much harder were really like our first month we got fined for some 
weird thing related to to payroll system that we didn't know we have to use. Oh wow! Okay. And and it's it's since then we became more focused on regulations, uh, but uh, but a lot of the things is like you don't know, so you get in tra- um, in trouble for avoiding them. Now there's a lot of support for you to guide you through regulations. They they changed so many things to to welcome people, and actually they succeeded. The way they handled COVID in here attracted so many people from all around the world. And and I see why, because the lifestyle is good. Uh, and if you have this entrepreneurship spirit, they, there's there's a lot that can be done with, with, with respecting the main laws, let's say, that, that they do. Yeah. So, so someone who's been here for a while, I can see how they are actually more attractive to entrepreneurship. And when I compare it to where I'm from originally yeah. in Lebanon, I can see the different, let's say, leadership styles cause uh, the results of the different re- leadership styles. One attracts more entrepreneurship growing and the other is focusing on the wrong things, unfortunately, making absolutely wrong decisions and, and bringing the country backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer, I've, I've really enjoyed our, our, our conversation and this, this catch up. Um, I, I was trying to think of a, of a way we could uh, we could wrap it up. And I, with other episodes, with other um, podcast guests, I, I have three quick um, um, kind of closing questions. And, and uh, in all honesty, I, I often give them uh, in advance so the guest has a bit of time to think. And I haven't done that with you, but uh, <laughs> let, let's give it a try. Um, the, the first one is anything that you've read recently that really kind of changed the way you you you, you see the world or or, or or you think about stuff um yes so there's one book called the innovators hmm. um, it is the history of innovation so something i'm passionate about is technology innovation obviously i studied computer engineering so it's really uh, about how innovation started uh, from the first days of of, uh, of, of uh, technology and uh, and digital until now, and that made me realize actually the book speaks about a lot of really great people like we've heard of Steve Jobs, we heard how uh, Google started and so many stories, but linking them together is what's important and what's really eye opening in that book. So a lot of the decisions we made today will affect how things will shape up in the future but like where we are today is based on innovation coming from so many people so i don't consider myself a genius actually i'm not at all so it's always this question like can i innovate can i do this can i continue to to grow personally uh, in my company and the answer is like you don't need to do things yourself you need to rely on the work on that other great people do connect with others communicate grow the network of the people you you work with because someone doing something right now somewhere in the world will be useful for you that you can take on board and innovate and what that can result nobody knows nobody knows but the only way is to collaborate and work together so it's it's been great it's a really empowering uh, answer that i really like it then another very quick question is do you have like a, a habit or a hack that, that really um, that you do that has really improved your life. Um, yeah, actually, so I've been introduced to the concept of my uh, mindfulness. Mindfulness recently, wow. 
and I didn't feel it is my thing. So I did it. One of friend of mine, she she used to be living in my building in Dubai years ago, and now she's in Switzerland. She started a company around my mindfulness. So she asked me, as a entrepreneur, can you see what we've done and advise and stuff. So I reviewed one of the courses, and the whole duration uh, while I was doing the course online. I was like, oh, this is too much smiling, wow. too much peace, too much, <laughs> too much peace. <laughs> Zen thinking, that's not me. And so that was the mentality while I was doing the course. But I was doing it to give feedback. So, uh-huh, so my, right. the way I was doing this is not to learn, to give feedback. Interesting, and yeah, to help your... To your, help. Yeah. So I did that and that's fine. And um, what I didn't realize is that after a few days and weeks is that how I answer questions i react to crisis became very different and a lot of people were telling me like what's happening to you so so it's it's fascinating because just with one course again i'm not gonna go there because i still believe it's too peaceful of style compared to how i handle stress but i um i i i thought some of the exercises there are good having said that one thing that I've been doing for a while is this uh, playtime with my daughter Mm. so I try to squeeze in sports into my days because in the old days that was a great way to uh, to recharge and keep fresh and energized and and release negative energy but I can't do sports as much as before so now I have work I go to home I need to spend time with the family so I changed this family time especially with my daughter to be this relaxation, mindful time. <laughs> mindful time, thinking, strategizing, uh, without without really being absent. It's just like uh, comfort my mind from a lot of decision making and focus on the games. And what happens sometimes, like I'm playing with her, with the dolls, for example, and then she goes away and I continue playing. And my wife comes and like, are you playing with dolls again? I'm like, oh, well, this image of summer playing with dolls is never going to leave me. I know, I know. That's happening a lot. So I'm trying to introduce cars and Iron Man and Spider-Man. She's, she's insisting on dogs. Well, you have a son coming, so, so yep. you, you have plenty of cars, I imagine. Fascinating. I, I really like how you, you talk about this reluctant, skeptical mindfulness practice. <laughs> Yeah. there and how it's impacted you um and uh maybe that that, that could be the the subject of, a, of another episode one day i'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm i'm developing my own version probably of but how it, to it sounds super helpful actually because it sounds like you actually practice mindfulness in your in during the day yeah. um noticing things that happen and how what they trigger in you and being being mindful of yeah. that, which and in itself is the whole told point me of the practice. Recently, you've also been more involved in this Absolutely. topic or interested. Absolutely, in it. I've been I've been practicing as much as I could myself, yeah. realizing how much I needed it. So I think we're both uh, we're, we're we're both students of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it is it is useful. I see the uses for it. I see how helpful it can be. But I think I'm still treating it with skepticism. Because I think, okay, I have a way to deal with things yeah. and it's, I think it's working, but, uh, but that, that course, few slides, few hours, it was like, wow, that's, that's powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We, we can maybe put that in the, the show notes with, with the one that I followed as well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and last, last very quick one, simple one is, is there, is there a place 
that has a special significance to you? I'm sure you're going to say something about Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Lebanon, definitely. Um, my home, absolutely. But the place that comes to mind when you ask this question is Caribou Cafe. <laughs> that turned out to be the place so many important things in my life happened there so I met my wife in Caribou Cafe we actually launched uh, dupes from a Caribou Cafe so Caribou Cafe Beirut is where I met my wife Caribou Cafe in Dubai is where I met my uh, partners and started to ideate and came up with a lot of things that we are still using till today in dupes and following it is where I actually wrote half of my thesis for, for the GMAP <laughs> Uh, so that place is a place where I actually like the cafe itself. There is one particular location in Dubai that I go a lot to to be in a in a different zone, uh, and I believe it's it's funny how one place becomes associated with so many important things and so far good things in in my life. Fantastic! Thank you very much, Sam. I've, I've really enjoyed this second uh, episode with you. It's been really, really great. Thank you, thank you. No, I, I really enjoyed it. It's great to see you in person. <laughs> Indeed. And thank you for for all the really interesting questions. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, there are a few ways you can help. Please click the follow button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and also consider becoming a supporter by visiting at the coalface.buzzsprout.com. Thank you.